0: So <clears throat> I actually have, so the bad news and the good news, I guess. The bad news, I have two messages. The good news is the other one's for next week. So uh, I, I, I ha- had a message, you know, put together and everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of the times when I'm putting things together, <clears throat> just to explain to you, I guess, kind of like the, the the mentality or the thought process. You know, I'm I'm looking at you know the the people that are here, the people that are at our you know Sunday and our Thursday home church and everything. And you know, I try to kind of keep aware of what's you know kind of going on in in people's lives and stuff like that, just so I can kind of understand like, okay, well, you know, it seems like in terms of like discipleship and all that that. You know, this is kind of what would be best serving for this church, this community. <clears throat> this is something that I kind of started taking on that mentality back when I was doing youth ministry. You know, there's, there's no shortage of like materials and, and, and book curricula and things like that. And even when it comes to being a preacher, it's funny. I, I didn't realize this until I kind of started getting into things that uh, I didn't realize that a lot of pastors kind of cheat. Uh, that there are, and it's almost kind of like a gift that a lot of people get. It's like a graduation gift from seminary sometimes is, uh, kind of like how, uh, you know, super old school, I'm not going to pretend to to be this old school, but you know how, you know, sometimes people, if they want to give you a nice book gift, they'd give you like a, like Encyclopedia Britannica set or something like that, right? Well, people will get these, these sets of sermon outlines, and they're just different things that kind of help walk you through like some different theological things and all that. And then you can just kind of like, you know, take that outline and put your own anecdotes in there and kind of, you know, tweak it here and there. <clears throat> and people do things like that. And I always kind of look at that and said like, huh, that feels like it's cheating. Because it feels like you're supposed to like do the, <clears throat> do the work to know what people need to hear, right? And so I've always tried to do that. But sometimes when you're putting together, you know, a message, you kind of, even somebody like me who is, not a super charismatic person uh sometimes you're kind of going through things and you go down like a uh rabbit hole i saw you laugh and when i say charismatic i don't mean like i have charisma i mean like like in like a churchy sense i'm not like a shouting up and down charismatic person though i might not have that other kind of charisma either so i don't know uh, <clears throat> but even you know I will go through these rabbit holes where I'll start looking at things as I'm preparing. And, you know, you kind <clears> of <throat> have this moment where, you know, you start looking at things and you start kind of looking at either old materials or old videos or old messages or, or, or go- going down even just like a rabbit hole, like connecting things in the Bible. And, and you kind of, you just can't get away from it. And you go like, well, I guess that's supposed to be the message this week. So, um, so I'll tell you guys up front the thing that I put at the very end of the home church video, which is that um, I don't know if this is helpful at all to anybody. I don't know if it's if it's useful, but this was kind of the the stuff that was getting uh, just kind of dropped on me. So I guess to put you guys in the same frame of mind that I was in, um, I was going through and actually putting together a lot, you know, some some stuff for uh, like the the like worship set, trying to get those done ahead of time. Uh, and when I was putting that stuff together, I started like looking through like old songs because usually even if I'm not going to be up here playing, I'll I have my g- guitar sitting like right there at my desk and I'll, you know, sit here and play along with it. So I started like playing different songs that um, maybe even wouldn't play very good. as praise and worship songs. But um, yeah, and I kind of went down this rabbit hole. So I want, I want to play for you, I guess, kind of one of the videos that kind of got me off on this tangent. Yes, when I think about that particular song, and the thing that strikes me about it is it's the, it's the fact that you think about the glory and the magnitude of the God that we serve. And sometimes I think we tend to take that God and we disconnect who He is to what God has done for us in our lives. We, we take that God of the Old Testament and then we sit here and say, well, like, that's the big cloud God, right? That's the God that makes all the things. But then that is separate from this Jesus God who is very, like, individual and personal and, 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 and you know, interacts with people kind of in day-to-day life and all that. And so in our own lives, what we do is we kind of rip apart the trinity of the thing, so to speak. And we, we sit here and we, we forget that it's the same God And I guess the the thing that in my mind, as I sit here and I look at like that song, the rabbit hole that my mind goes down, is I I start thinking about the things that you end up seeing and kind of this, you know, poetic telling of creation that we see in Genesis 1. That when you look at the things that God does in Genesis 1, it's, it's all these displays really of who He is. It's one of the things that I remember reading, And one of the first like really deep theology texts that I was going through was uh, it it was talking about how a lot of people make the mistake of, you know, kind of taking the Bible and then saying the story of God kind of starts Genesis 1-1, not understanding that the nature of God and the existence of God and who God is existed prior to Genesis 1-1. Prior to everything that we know and everything that we can comprehend in our heads, God was in existence, and God was glorious, and God was good, and God was powerful, and God was all the things that we recognize Him as today. And yet, it is only once we start getting into Genesis that you start seeing what is really effectively a testimony of God's glory so that everything around you ends up not being just something that's simply a setting for us to experience life and a setting for God to start making things happen but instead it has a very intentional purpose and that intentional purpose is to demonstrate God's glory. When you look at Genesis 1, you start seeing all these things being spoken into creation. In verse 3, you see God saying, Let there be light. You see God speaking in verse 6, Let there be water and sky. You see him in verse 9 saying, You know, speaking into existence, let there be land, and he speaks into existence, let there be plants in verse 11, and then in verse 14, he speaks into existence, let there be a sun and a moon. And then in verse 20, he says, let there be actual life on this earth, vegetation and going on to animals and everything else that we see, but it's that same that same voice of God that we see creating and just speaking all things into creation that also speaks mankind into creation. So then in Genesis 1, 26, we end up seeing, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl out of the earth. Is that idea that the same voice of God that spoke into existence all things that, that we see as being magnificent displays of his power and his might is the same voice that also speaks out to you? I think the idea of nature itself worshiping is kind of is kind of interesting. In, in a weird way almost twisted way, you can almost kind of understand people who start kind of like applying like a spiritual aura to things in nature, but I think where they get get it wrong is they, they sit here and look at the majesty and kind of the mystery and the complexity of everything they see around them and they think that in and of itself is the thing to worship in the same way that many Christians today have created this beautiful religion and these beautiful churches and have made the mistake of worshiping the thing that represents the glory rather than the thing that's glorious itself. But what you end up seeing throughout the scriptures is the fact that this beautiful nature around us all the time is actually a testimony. It is, it is a form of something worshiping and displaying the fact that we do serve a great and a glorious God. And that that same God is the same God that came out for you. When you sit here and you read what, in the even in the New Testament, it says about just nature and the surroundings, you end up seeing this. This is in... Uh, Luke 19 verses uh, 39 through 40, you end up seeing some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus when he's entering into Jerusalem and everybody is, is praising his name. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Rabbi, reprimand your disciples. But Jesus answered them back. I tell you that if they kept quiet, the stones will shout out in worship. And there's something about that that is just such a beautiful thought because it's that same God that commands respect and that commands so much power and authority in everything that you see around us that is the same God that also reaches out to every single one of us. In Revelations 30 verse 20 we end up seeing the, the, the this idea of the voice of God calling out to us. It says, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The concept, that just the, the thought that the same voice of God that could speak into existence things that we can't even comprehend with our mind is also the same voice of God that speaks out to us in whatever state we're in and, and, and invites us into His family is... I think something that we don't spend enough time just stopping and like contemplating for a second. I mean, if you think about the things that people will use to keep themselves away from the kingdom of God or things that people will do to disqualify themselves or disqualify others, they seem so small and insignificant compared to how difficult it must have been to create all things. If you've ever done a decent amount of traveling, you know, I know that, Uh, A few of us, like, you know, either worked for or have been in the military and whatnot. So, like, if you've done that thing where you've traveled around and you've seen things around you for a while, you know, you've seen things like the, you know, the very dramatic images of, you know, what it looks like when I was in Alaska. I think about the fact that, you know, you can see the ocean and the water right here. And then immediately after the ocean, you just see mountains shoot up like this higher than you know, anything you're going to see out in the Shenandoah, you see things like that. I think about, you know, when when I I remember being at sea and seeing in the middle of a, a, you know, smaller uh, hurricane where we just decided, you know, they just got the ship and they locked everything down and everything and just said, we're just going to kind of go through it. And I remember during a lull in the storm going out and just looking around and just kind of like observing like this angry, angry, angry sea you know, with nothing around it as as far as the eye could see. And when I was looking at that, you couldn't help but be in awe at the power of God around you, at the power of God to be able to create all these things, understanding that what my eye is beholding is even just a teeny tiny shred of exactly what exists. I think about when you have all of the things that you know, you see like Corey Dahlmeier when he goes out and takes his telescope out at the at the, the south side of town and, you know, will show these pictures of things that are up in space. I've always loved looking at things in space, you know. I started looking through a telescope when I was a little, little, little kid and, you know, thinking about just what you see out there, like things that, that exist on scales that our minds can't even comprehend, that these are all even just tiny pale little slivers of the power and the might and the glory of our God. But it's that same God that did all of those things, that did the mountains, that did the oceans, that did the heavens, that did everything, that exact same voice that spoke all of that into creation is the exact same voice that looks at you in whatever state you find yourself and says, I come knocking at the door. I'm calling for you. It's that same God that decided He was going to die on the cross for you. Some of the lyrics that are there in uh, in, in the song we just went over that, that stick with me is... Uh, Uh, They say, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. There's something kind of profound in the idea of thinking about the fact that God created all things. And he, he created all things. We know he created us. We, we know that God, you know, uh, has, has, from the scriptures, he has the power to conquer sin and all that. But I want you to just think for a second, almost kind of, there, there's, there's, a, there's an odd beauty in the fact that God created all things, included, he, he created, you know, we just read in Genesis, he created the vegetation, he created the trees, he created the wood that would have gone into the cross to crucify his son. He created the hill, that he knew he would have known what that hill was going to become. He created the stones that people, you know, wanted to use to, to stone his followers. He created the animals that, you know, whose skins were used to make the leather that went into the whips that was whip whipped Christ, and he he created the 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 cave and the tomb that uh, Jesus's body would have been would have been enshrined in. And I guess the reason why that's such of kind of a, a poetically beautiful thought is because you think of the fact that God created things that He knew were going to be used to be detestable to Him. God created these things and He knew how they would be misused. He knew how they would be perverted and how they would be twisted for different things. And yet, He still in that state looked at all those perversions of His creation and said, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to continue pursuing my creation and redemption of my creation regardless of how people have, have, have perverted it. And now take that and apply that to you, that God looks at you, that God created you, that God died on a cross for you, that God God comes calling for you, even knowing any amount of twist or perversion or anything that may, have, that, that may be something that we feel that we struggle with. And yet, despite all of those things, He still looks at you and says, totally worth it, totally worth everything I'm going to do to go after this individual. I actually wrote down something in my notes, and I I actually have a tag right beside it that just says, this is a real holy crap thought. (laughs) And it it says this, if God can speak into existence the stars and the galaxies, the sun and the moon, the mountains and the seas, then how much greater do you consider the challenges of your own shortcomings that you think God's glory cannot be demonstrated through your redemption? I think that's the thing that sometimes we 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 don't stop and think about enough. And I think it you know, I think it's just because there's there's so much when we think about like the the, the God side of our lives you know, there's so much to consider, you know, we, we, want to, we want to think about like the things that we should be doing, right? We want to think about the fact that, you know, we, we should be doing like, you know, like Bible studies and we should be reading. We, we should be doing, you know, praying. And we want to think about that there's ways that we want to do things with church and our church family and all that. And like, so when we think about like the religious side of our lives, we, we have so many things to think about. And I think in the midst of thinking about all these things that we have to think about, sometimes what we end up missing in that is the basic fundamental, which is the love of Christ, that thing which actually achieves unity in His body, and the thing that actually causes a change within us. The reality is that the, transfer, the transformative nature of Christ isn't going to dwell in us because we sit here and we create the right type of program. It's not going to exist because we have the right kind of branding or because we do the right kind of ceremonies or whatever. We'll do some of these things and, you know, we'll have, have some, some, some little programs and things like that. But those things aren't what actually cause transformation of the heart. The thing that causes transformation in your heart is the same voice of God that caused transformation of nothingness into creation. That is the transformative power that we want because anything else is going to be insufficient. Everything else is going to fail to whatever the world is going to throw at us. It's going to fail to our our temptations and our own shortcomings. But the God whose voice can change all things and create all things and redeem all things is the God that can actually remain with us. So as we sit here and, you know, I think about this rabbit hole is going down, there was one more thing that, uh, one more, you know, kind of video I ended up going to in my head. And it goes along with this, this idea that, you know, we, we sometimes will... You know, look at ourselves and think of all the reasons why we may be disqualified, or maybe had been disqualified, or, or maybe aren't disqualified. But reasons why we have things we need to overcome and we need to get over. And, and and in doing that, we kind of we kind of mute the power of God. We we tend to overlook that God is the one who is all powerful and all sufficient. To, to be fully redemptive of our hearts and fully redemptive of whatever things that we may have in the back of our minds from you know, either things that we currently do, things that we've done in years past or whatever. And it's this song that comes from another group that you probably have heard of this Christian Radio That's that's Ring Collective Experiment, right? So it's a group that I think it's interesting to kind of point out just kind of where they come from too, that you know this is a group from like Northern Ireland, right? And Northern Ireland, it's a place that has, has been a, a center of a lot of strife and a lot of civil unrest and everything. Things that, you know, aren't removed to them because they're, you know, 300, 400 miles away. But things with, you know, like terroristic actions and things like that. But yet you have these individuals and frequently they will sing about messages of redemption. And it's it's kind of powerful when you think about these these people and some of the things that they're surrounded by all the time and the fact that, uh, you know, even despite all that, they they sing, they think sing about, you know, healing and they say about, about rebuilding of, you know, God's people and unification and all these things that are so foreign to them. And so I think because of that, it's very striking to me when they write some kind of song that's about something that to us also sometimes can seem very, very foreign, which is this idea of, God taking the exact opposite mentality that, that we take, that society often takes, and looks at you and says, it really, it actually doesn't matter without qualification, without asterisks, without anything. It doesn't matter what you've done or how dead you think you are, but God is able to overcome. <laughs> Ezekiel 37, what we read is this. It says, With the hand of the Lord upon me, the Lord carried me out by His Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He had me pass by all around Him. There were so many bones living in the valley, and they were so dry. He asked me, Human beings, can these bones live? I answered, Lord God, only you know. Then He said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Say to them, Dry bones, hear what the Lord has said. To these bones, the Lord God says, I will make breath enter you and you will live. I will attach ligaments to you, make flesh grow on you cover, you, cover you with skin and put breath in you. You will live and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as ordered. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. It was the bones coming together, each bone in its proper place. As I watched, ligaments grew on them. Flesh appeared and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Next he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy human being, say to the breath that the Lord God says, come from the four winds, breathe, and breathe in these slain so they can live. So I prophesied as ordered, and the breath came into them, and they were alive. They stood on their feet, a vast army. When you look at this image that is being painted here by this vision that Ezekiel is being given, it's an image of... Something that is, is uh, describable as nothing but, but pure death, an ir, ir, irredeemable death being brought back to life once again. This idea of seeing... Not you know explicitly when it talks about dry bones. Any of you who have ever done hunting or medical stuff or anything like that, no. There's a massive difference between like a bone that's like so alive bone and a dry bone. It's very very crystal clear that like that that is, is a complete and utter death but yet God can even take those dry bones and even with that bring them back together. But what's phenomenal to me is that there's, there's two separate things that take place in this piece of scripture that this song is based on. It's that God first brings them back together. So he does this, this redemptive type of thing where he, he brings them together and he, he puts the flesh back on them and the skin back on them and all that. And so they would appear as if they're back together, right? And this is like a physical recovery that they've made. But then there's a second thing that takes place, and it's that God tells Ezekiel and says, call to the winds and tell them to breathe breath into these bones. And the reason why that's so significant is because in the breath is the soul. It's the reason why in Genesis 2 you see God being described as creating Adam by breathing his breath into the nostrils of Adam. And it's because he was was endowing to Adam a piece of his spirit, of of what what makes God divine. A a tiny piece of that was being influenced into the physical being of Adam, making him more than just flesh and bone and organs and something we'd consider a living being. And in the same way, as we sit here and we consider the redemptive acts of God, we have to understand that god can do many things that we see that are that are physical in front of us that god can certainly make miracles happen That God can ensure that things happen in the right way with, you know, that kind of divine miraculous timing. That God can do things that are improbable. He can do things that, you know, seem like He just kind of made something appear. But all of that pales in comparison to what God truly does that is a demonstration of His glory, which is taking what is dead and not just making it organic again, but actually giving it something that we would consider life. And so in that, we have to sit here and connect that. You you have to or else there's literally no point in this whole Jesus thing. You have to connect that to the fact that Christ takes who we are and He doesn't just give you like a you're forgiven card to sit here and say you don't have to physically, emotionally feel guilty anymore. That there's something more that He wants to do that's beyond just the physical exterior of who we are. That God wants to breathe life back into you to give you that redemptive breath so that you can actually live again. And I guess when I sit here and I look at that, it, it, it really starts, I guess, bringing home why it is that you see so many Christians throughout history being able to look at their own peril and their own situation and even the potential of their own death and look at that and face it with, with so little fear and with almost a sense of joy it's because when you look at what God does to the dead you look at what you see here in Ezekiel what you realize is that death is not like an event that death is is kind of metaphorically it's 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 like a canvas for God to be able to demonstrate his glory and so when you think about your own spiritual death you think about the things that you know, you have experienced throughout life that have gotten you to this point, you think about the different journeys and the highs and lows that you've been through, you can look at those things and you can sit here and just kind of boil it down to the physical, organic being if you want and just say, I had good time or I had bad time and I'm going to try to pin God into that. Or what you can do is you can look at those things and understand that those those highs were moments that God could distri- could to display to you His blessing, and through displaying to you His blessing, He could display to you His glory of what what He what He could do, how He can provide His His abundance. And then you can also start looking at those downsides. You can look at the downsides that you have experienced or downsides that you're in the middle of experiences or downsides that you may be afraid that you're going to experience in the future. And you can look at those things and realize that those, those downsides are not just trials where God is being mean. They're not just times where God is you know, going to sit here and put you through a training period. But those, those times that may seem like they are detrimental where you are going to you know, have to endure or that, that may even threaten the, the ultimate physical penalty of death is really just a canvas for God to be able to demonstrate how truly glorious He is. Because the worst thing that you can possibly, that you can possibly experience when it comes to being an organic being is death. But what you know if you have that breath of God residing in you is that that death is just the ultimate backdrop and setting to what is going to be. God's pure display of His goodness and His grace and His glory through the redemption of, of the Creator with His creation. So this is what God put on my heart. I feel like sometimes we get so wrapped up in doing a lot of the other religion stuff and the God stuff and everything that, you know, we we, kind of get separated from, I guess, what the main point of this whole thing is. And so as we sit here and we look at our own lives and we look at who God is in our lives, we have to be cautious to not let all of those other things in our life kind of overtake what God really is. That God isn't just culture, and God isn't just like schedule, and God isn't uh, even just like family, a family factor, that God is glory, and that God is, is, is wanting to display His glory through you. That's something that we get. It's something that God freely offers But in order to be able to really participate in that, we have to be willing to acknowledge and embrace the own dead aspects of our lives so that we can see where God can breathe new life into us. No matter how dead we may think we are, none of us are so dead that we're beyond God demonstrating how good He can be in us. Let's pray. Father God, we, we just pray that you would help us to, to keep a mind that is that is on you, that is remembering the that's cognizant of all the different ways that 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 you show your glory in our lives, all the the, the ways you, you you demonstrate your glory around us every single day. Help us to not be blind to these factors so that as we sit here, we live our lives and we do endure the challenges we're going we're to face. And as we do endure the you know, things that are, that are physically or emotionally trying, that, that, that we can remember that through it all, it's all just an opportunity for you to show us your goodness and your power and your might. Help us to take solace in that and to to be able to have our faith strengthened so that as we endure things and so as we experience life, we're able to do so in a way that radiates your goodness and your nature. And in doing that, help us to have opportunities to be able to show that nature to other people so that they may also know you. We pray all these things in your Son's precious holy name. Amen.